Glory to your name, Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. You can be seated this morning. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. My, my, my. We serve an awesome God. I don't think y'all got that. I said we serve an awesome God. Come on, somebody. He's a mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Again, it's a privilege to be here this morning, to be able to stand behind this pulpit. And uh, we had a true up service here a couple weeks ago, and the ones that wasn't here, I just want to say I thank this church for being a, allowing True Up Ministries to be a part of this body. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough about your pastor and his wife, Renee, and his family, who have loved us and accepted us. He's my friend. And uh, I consider him a best friend, a good, close friend, somebody who I know that will always be there. Hallelujah. And I thank God for him, and I praise God, and I hope you're praying for him this morning. He's delivering the word at Pastor Randall Black's church this morning as they're celebrating. And, uh, and, but I always counted a privilege to be able to stand behind this pulpit, and I never take it for granted. And I'm glad to be a part of this One Life Church, be a part of what God is doing here and what God's about to do. Come on, somebody. But see, if you don't come in an expectation of what's going to take place Every Sunday and every Wednesday and in life groups on uh, Sunday nights, you got to shake yourself. Because you need to come with an expectation of God. What, what's next, Lord? What are you about to do? What are, what are you about to do at One Live Church this morning? I come to church with an expectation every time I walk through the doors. Because I'm expecting a move of God. I want a move of God so much that I want us to shake us we turns us upside down that we don't know what to do with ourselves. Because he's coming soon. I said he's coming soon. So this morning we're going to make this service all about him. So my question for us today is who is Jesus to you? Man, when I started out, and I think, and I, matter of fact, it's so much that it's hard to, to it was hard to put down just a few things. Because everyone, as I started, it began to get more and more and more. Because there's so many things and so many people and so many examples of who Jesus is in this book. If you read the end of John. It says it, that he did so many things while he was here on this earth that there's not enough books to contain everything that Jesus did when he walked this earth. That's just while he was here, those 33 years. That's not even going back to the Old Testament. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so when God created heavens and earth, there was a Father, there was a Son, and the Holy Ghost that was all involved in it. But who is Jesus to you today? Maybe he has saved you. Maybe he's your Savior this morning. 
Or maybe he's healed you of a sickness or a disease. Maybe he's protected you from someone, from some circumstance, some situation that has arisen in your life. You want to hear my story sometimes? Sit down and come down. We'll sit down and I'll tell you my story. I don't have enough time today to tell you my story because it's a lot that's involved because it started before I was even born of what Jesus is to me. I can tell you story after story after healing after healing after deliverance after deliverance after protection after protection that God has done for me. But turn with me this morning in, to Psalms 18. We're going to read a few verses out of Psalms 18, then we're going to go to Psalms 91. Beginning at verse 1, David writing, I, love, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And then turn over to Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Who is Jesus to you today? If you study out the life of David, you'll find it's just what we the few verses that we've just read this morning is just a touch of the things that it was to David when he wrote Psalms 18. We're going to go back there probably a little bit here in just a little while. But to Abraham, he was the friend. He was his friend. James chapter 2 verse 23 says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. Do you believe God this morning? Do you trust in him? Is he the shelter? Is he your shelter this morning? Is he your strength? Is he your strong tower? Is he, he, is he your present help in the time of trouble? Do you call upon him in the midnight hour when you need him? When you don't know what to do, do you call upon him or do you call your friend? Or do you call your wife or do you call your husband? I thank God for my wife. I thank God for our relationship. But one thing that comes first and foremost in our relationship in our life is Jesus is the Lord of our lives. He comes first before each other does. He comes first before my children does. He comes first before True Hope Ministries comes. Why? Because Jesus is my friend. He's the Lord of my life. James chapter 2 verse 23 says, And all and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Does God call you friend this morning? Is Jesus your friend? The Bible says that he sticketh closer than a brother. That when you are in the midnight hour and you're down and you're dirty, you're down in sickness and disease and your body is raked with a sickness, do you call upon him? 
When you say his name, does he say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am? He was a friend to Abraham. God called Abraham his friend. Because Abraham, I love Abraham's life because when Abraham was in the earth, God called him out. He said, get up, pack up your family and leave and take off. He had no clue where he was going. He just knew that God had spoken to him. He packed up and they went. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 7 says, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before the people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Hallelujah. Come on somebody. It's something for God to call you friend. Now, sometimes everybody kind of forgets about Sarah. In Genesis 18, 12, it said to Sarah, he made her laugh. And then gave her womb life. Come on, somebody, 99 years old and made her laugh. Come on, somebody. See, just because you're 70, 80, 90, maybe even 99, I don't know, sitting in this room this morning, doesn't mean your life is over. Because just when you think it's over, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to bring you back to life and say, whoa, wait a minute, I'm not done with you just yet. Says therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. Then Genesis 21 says, verse 2, for Sarah conceived. Don't ever underestimate God. Because when you underestimate him, he's gonna show up and turn your life upside down, and you're gonna have to stand back and say, Whoa, God. I thought this was over. He said, no, it's not over till I say it's over. I'm not done till I say I'm done. Who is Jesus to you this morning? To Sarah, he made her laugh and brought her womb back to life at 99 years old. Don't ever underestimate the power of God. Because he'll show up in your circumstance and turn your life upside down. If God says you go, you go. If he says you do, you do. You obey. Because there's blessings in obedience. From the littlest thing to the best, greatest thing. But she laughed. Remember, Jesus incarnate showed up at Abraham's tent one day. Spoke those words and said, you're going to have a son. And Sarah just behind the tent door, laughed. Sarah, what are you laughing at? I didn't laugh. Maybe you just told God, oh, I didn't say that, I didn't do that. God knows what you're doing before you do it. He knew he, she was going to laugh before she laughed. That's why he chose himself to show up himself and to speak life into her. Because the moment he said, you shall bear a son, that womb began to become alive, become alive again. Because when God speaks, it brings life. It will take what is dead and bring to life. It will take what everybody said won't come out to nothing but make it something. 
Come on, somebody. And it was born a young man. His name was Joseph. He was special because his father had him at an old age. God does things when people are old just as much as he does when they are young. The Lord to Joseph was favor. As soon as he was born, he had favor of his father. His father made him a coat of many colors. Why? Because he had favor. That represented, I believe, favor in his life. He was different than everybody else. Because see, when the hand of God is upon your life and upon your family, you're going to be set apart. There's going to be a difference. You're going to be called to do things that a normal man or woman don't do. You're going to be called to be set apart. Because what he anoints and what he changes and what he anoints with his power and his presence is known to everyone. See, every life in this building this morning is precious to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something in your life that is special to him. He's given you a special talent. He's given you a special ability. He's given you special favor in your life, on your job. But to Joseph, he was favor. In Genesis 39, verses 2 through 5, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And remember, let's stop back up just a second. Joseph had a couple of dreams, told his brothers. His brothers threw him in a hole. They sold him into slavery. And by the way, it was all the plan of God. It just, it wasn't something, they just, because they were mad, God was setting them up and they didn't even know it. Remember, God is in our past, he's in our present, and he is in our future. He takes our past to help out our present, to help us in the future. So God was just setting everything up for what was about to take place. And he gave Joseph this divine favor. And the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man, whatever he did. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. You know, this man in deep in Egypt knew that something was different about this man, Joseph. Master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made him all that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, and he made him overseer of his house and all that he had. He put him under his authority. So it was from the, that time, the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. And of course, one day she shows up, Potiphar's wife, because she liked him too. Just in a little different way than Potiphar did. Well, he probably was a good-looking young man. Had all the goods, and she wanted some of it. And he said, nope. My God, I serve him. I will not defile myself by giving in to the lust 
of this flesh that you want me to give into. But, but again, he refused and ran. Because he ran, and she screamed. Verse, in verse 20 and 21 says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. Into the prison. A place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. You know, again, it's God's plan and purpose. No, it wasn't a happy place. It wasn't a comfortable place, but it was a necessary place that Joseph needed to be. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And everything the Lord does is for a purpose, church. He allowed Joseph to go through what he went through. To do what? To save his people. All that happened in Joseph's life to the time in which he walked into Egypt as a slave and walked into the house of Potiphar and walked into the slaves in the dungeon of the prison was a setup because eventually the baker, the cupbearer showed up in the prison. They dream a dream. And dream, those dreams were on purpose. It was just a setup that God had been planning and getting, putting into place for the time to bring Joseph from the prison. From that prison to the palace, the second in command of Egypt. Only Pharaoh was higher in that command. Why? Because Jesus, God was setting up that purpose for to save his people from Egypt. So to Joseph, he was favor that brought about the plan of God in his life. So who is Jesus to you today? In Daniel chapter 2, the Hebrew boy, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, I will not defile my God. I will not bow down and worship you. Nebuchadnezzar, he said, then throw them into the fire. He said, not only throw them into the fire, but get that fire hot seven times hotter. And what happened? He threw him into the fiery furnace. And what happened? He stood back and looked and said, whoa, wait a minute. Did we just throw three into the fire? Do I see four? One looks like the Son of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was their deliverer. He was their protector. Hallelujah. And when God protects you, he protects everything about you. They walked out of that fiery furnace, didn't even smell like smoke. And Jesus showed up again. To protect his property and to protect his plan. Turn with me this morning in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to look at this story for a minute because I think it's important. Because I think sometimes we thank God. We have this one uh, expectation of the Lord. We think God should move this way or do it this way or go this way and do it this thing. Work in my circumstance in this circum situation. He should do it the way I think he should do it. God doesn't do it the way that we think he should do it. Now, does he listen to our prayers? He does. A great thing happened on Mount Carmel. Fire came down and consumed the sacrifices and all of Baal and all that. 
And Jezebel raised her big old fat mouth and fear gripped Elijah's heart and he ran. He ran to the cave. We pick this up at verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. Because see, Elijah expected God to show up kind of the same way he showed up on Mount Carmel. God doesn't always show up in a big, mighty miracle. He doesn't always show up in a great, with a great earthquake. He doesn't show up and shake your world. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that, it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why are, why are you in the place you're in today? Why are you standing at the entrance of the cave going, God, I'm waiting on this sign. I'm waiting on you to move on my behalf. I'm waiting on you, God, to show up and work this great and mighty miracle. And God says, I'm not in that earthquake. I'm not in the fire. I'm not in the wind. I'm waiting on you to be still and know that I am God. That I am here to move in your behalf, in your circumstance, in your situation, in this great problem, in this great sickness in your life. And God's here to set you free. But he's not going to move the way you think he's going to move. But he's waiting on you to be still and to know that he's God. But he came to Elijah in a still, small voice. But who is Jesus to you today? Jesus is love. Well, wait a minute. Now, you, you say that word love. When, you know, we use that word loosely a lot in our lives as human beings, I think. We forget about the real true love of God. Ephesians chapter 3 says, For this reason I bowed my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love. Any concrete people in the house? You ever built a slab for a house or for a garage or something? You just don't go out there and form it up and build a slab and pour the concrete. You, first of all, you've got to dig the footing. You've got to grade the land. You've got to make sure that land, you, you, 
you surveyed it and make sure that land is right and ready and perfect and level. And when you make that build that form and form up that ground and get those lined up and you get that everything down that goes into put, pouring a slab of concrete for a house to be built upon. There's digging the footings. There's laying the uh, uh, wire down. There's laying the visqueen over the top of it to make sure the moisture goes to the top. There's all these things that have to be done to make and to build a house upon. There's got to be that agent that's in that concrete that makes that concrete hard. There's a chemical that goes into that concrete that when that concrete begins to set and you lay it out and you've tamped that ground out and you've bull floated that last slab and you've done all those things to prepare that slab and you stand back. If that, the chemical to make that concrete hard was not in that cement, then that, it would never get hard. And as a man and woman of God, we've got to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. His love has got to be shed abroad in our hearts to know that we come to understand that the love of Jesus Christ is within us. Who is Jesus to you? Is he love? Verses 18 and 19 says, To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, may be able to comprehend with all the saints that, listen to me, that is what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes Knowledge that you may be filled with what? All the fullness of God. Now see, his love is so broad and so wide and so deep. It's beyond understanding because his love never changes. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That love that is in God, in Christ Jesus, in that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Is he love to you? Do you know his love? Have you come to understand the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of his son? Hallelujah. God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Do we pray, Jesus, when I look at your people, let me see them through your eyes of love. Because when we look at other people and we see them, do we see them through the love of Jesus? Something to think about today. Sorry, I didn't come here today to twinkle your ears. I've come here to challenge you to know who Jesus is in your life today. Just because you come to church doesn't make you a follower, follower of Jesus. God is love. Do you know that love? 
Just had this thought. Jesus died and risen from the grave. And Peter denied him that he even knew him. What did Peter do? He went right back to what he knew best, how to fish. Out there in the lake, in the water, and he was fishing. He fished all night long and didn't catch nothing. Because, see, without Jesus, he couldn't catch anything. Because he had separated himself from Jesus by denying that he even knew him. But this is the love of Jesus. One day, he out there fishing all night long, and he looked over there on the bank, and he saw somebody. This is how Jesus is. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've failed him, no matter how many times you've denied him, Jesus will always show up in your life and give you another chance. He showed up on the bank. He said, hey, why don't you take that net and throw it on the other side of the boat? Perhaps you may catch something over there. Peter couldn't recognize who it was, but he, he, it sounded familiar. That voice sounded familiar. There was something familiar about that voice. Even though he had forgotten about him, and he had, just, he had denied he even knew him. Because he was afraid of what those people would think. That he was afraid of dying just like he was going to die. They threw that net on the other side of the boat. And all of a sudden there were so many fish in that net they couldn't hardly carry it. They got closer to the bank and they looked over and he saw it. And Peter recognized, uh-oh, there's something familiar about that person sitting on the bank. And he jumped out of the boat and ran. And sat down. Jesus had Breakfast already on the fire. Already prepared the table. Peter showed up and he's looking at him, talking to him. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. A few minutes later, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. He was getting a little upset. Do you love me? Well, you know what? You love me. And he said, feed my lambs. And again, he asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, Lord, you know that I love you. And gave him instruction to love him. And said, come, brought him back in because he loved him. Because he had a purpose for Peter's life. Just like Jesus has a purpose for each one of our lives. To David, he was his defender, his strength, and his strong tower. It is God who arms me with strength and makes me, makes my way perfect. He makes me, makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. That's the Lord to David. He will raise you above any circumstances you face, that you may face. And we could stay in Psalms 18 for hours talking about what the things that David wrote just in that psalm about what he, God and the Lord Jesus was to David. One day Jesus and them were walking about and he was doing miracles, and the word had came that Lazarus had was sick, and he didn't he didn't move him. 
He kept on doing what he was doing. He waited those days, those three days before he shows, before he started heading towards the house of Lazarus. He waited on purpose before going there. Why? Because God always has a plan and a purpose for everything that he does. And I want to read those verses in John 11. And we're just about done. There's something about those that this, this circumstance and situation. But Jesus never did anything by accident. He doesn't show up in your life at that time period on, because he waited a little longer, because he, he didn't want to show up at that time, because he had a purpose and a plan in your life. Because his ways, ladies and gentlemen, are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Verse 17. So when Jesus came and he found that he had already been in the tomb four days, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. This tomb's already shaken. Something's going on inside. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I can see him looking her right in the eyes. And saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Hallelujah. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ that the Son of God who has come into the world. It's not always the way you think it's going to happen and take place. He showed up that day and to Mary and Martha, he was a resurrection and the life. He walked over to that tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus walked out. So see, he can identify with your circumstance and your situation. He knows exactly what to do and when to show up and what to say and when to say it and how to say it for your purpose and your, your, for your benefit and for the benefits of the others around you. To the disciples, he was in the 120 in the upper room. He was their Holy Ghost baptizer. But who is Jesus to you? To me, he's my father. He's the one who has lots of patience with me. When everybody else did not believe in me, he said, Gregory, I believe in you. I have a purpose for your life. 
There is a lot of men and women in your life that you're going to come to know. You're going to come to understand my delivering power. You're going to come to understand that when I have a hand, my hand is upon lives, I do things that are unconditioned, un, 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 different than everything else. It might not make sense to the human brain, but I take those ones that are in deep in sin and I reach down into that horrible pit, into the miry clay, and I pull them out and set their feet upon my rock and I establish their steps. I take an axe head that's in the bottom of a river and he says, I take it and I make it float to the surface. When my prophet Elisha and his servant are standing around and the armies and the enemy is all around them and it look, doesn't look very good, it looks like they're fixing to be attacked and be destroyed, God, the, the prophet says, Lord, will you please just open his eyes up that he may see. And he looks around and he sees the chariots of fire and the armies of the Lord my God, most high God. And he says, there are more for us than those who are against us. But who do you say? And who is Jesus to you today? The Bible says he's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. Hallelujah. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. David says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament, and it shows us his handiwork. I remember standing one day in the middle of a softball field, and all of a sudden, I come to understand, oh, my God, there's trees around me. And I look around, there's a God who's alive and who's well. There's a God that's in my life. And I looked around, the, the rainbow was in the back, of the back behind me, and as I turned around, well, because God showed up that day. And showed up in his hand to reveal himself to me that I am God and I saved you and I delivered you and I am your God. No means of measure can define his limitless love. Come on somebody. No far-seeing telescope can bring it into visibility the coastlines of his shoreless supply. Come on church, who is he to you this morning? No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, come on, somebody. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's entirely steadfast. He's immorally graceful. Graceful. He's in parallel powerful. He's in partiality merciful. That's my king. Come on. Who is he to you this morning, church? I want you to grasp this this morning. He is God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He is august. He is unique. He is unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the lowliest ideal in literature. Come on, somebody. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's supreme. He is the supreme problem in the higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine in true theology. He's the cardinal necessar necessarily of spiritual religion. Religion. I need some water. I'm out.
Come on, I want you to understand and know who he is today. Who is he to you personally today? Has he ever showed up in your life? Has he ever did something that was unique in your life? He loves you no matter what. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you've been raised in church all of your life. Because you still needed a Savior. God has delivered me from a lot of things in my life. One of the things I I fight is jealousy of a person who was raised in a Christian home, Christian values, who was taught at an early age to pray, who was raised up in the power of Pentecost, who came to understand the baptism of the Holy Ghost when they were three years old. all the things God has delivered me out of the greatest testimony are those ones who've never had to taste this world the way that a lot of people have that's my king I said that's my king that's my lord that's my Jesus he's the miracle of the age Jesus there's so much he is he's the only one able to supply all of your needs simultaneously he supplies strength for the weak he's available for the tempted and tried he sympathizes and he saves he guards and he guides he heals the sick he cleanses the lepers he forgives sinners he discharges debtors He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble and he blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Do you know him today, church? Do you know him as your personal savior today? He's the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. Are you here this morning bound by sin? He's the doorway of your deliverance. He's the pathway of your peace. He's the roadway to righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of the governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I said, that's my king. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. 
His grace is sufficient. He reigns in righteousness. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come on, somebody. I just really wish I could describe him to you today. I've tried my best. I've tried to give you just a little bits and pieces of who he is today. But he's un- indescribable. I said he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. He's trying to tell you. Trying to tell you this one. The heavens can't contain him. Let alone man explain him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get them off your hands. You can't outlive him. And you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him. When they found out they couldn't stop him, hey, Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witness couldn't get their testimony to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Come on. Hallelujah. That's my king. He always has been and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. There's nobody before him and there will, no be, there will be nobody after him. You can't impeach him and you, can't, not, you cannot get him to resign. That's my king. Hallelujah. That is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the glory is all his. The power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Who is he to you this morning? I want every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Well, I am not going to leave this building this morning until everyone in this room has an opportunity. I don't never take for granted that everybody's in a Sunday morning church service is saved. But where are you at today with him? Is Jesus Christ saved you of all of your sins? Is he your Savior today? If you were to die this afternoon, would you go to meet him in heaven? Is there anything between you and your Lord today? Did you get up angry this morning? Did you say something to your spouse that was unkind? He loves you and he'll forgive you. you're in this room this morning and you never have asked Jesus Christ into your life to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to pray with you this morning. I don't want to leave this room today without giving everybody the opportunity to know Jesus.